Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Folks, welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show. It's a show that I do on the radio. Some people listen via podcast. Tons of people uh, have gone to ericmetaxas.com and they've signed up for my newsletter. When you sign up for the newsletter, uh, we send you the TV version. We send you the video of this. As you know, uh, because of my potty mouth, I was I was knocked off of YouTube. Um, that's a joke. Uh, I was knocked off of YouTube because Marxist uh, monsters have taken control of YouTube and big tech, and we're living in crazy times. So if you want to watch this show, you have to go to Rumble, or it's easier just to sign up at ericmetaxas.com. Uh, as you know, once a week, it is my joy to speak to our friend, John Zmirak. Uh, later today, I will see John Zmirak. I'm flying to, uh, to the great state of Texas, to Dallas, where John lives, and we're going to film some stuff at the stream. Uh, I'm going to be on Daystar TV uh, in Dallas. I'm speaking in Dallas at a conference uh, in Rowlett, Texas which is, uh, that's tomorrow, my goodness, Friday, September 23rd, um, uh, in the evening, uh, the wake-up conference in Rowlett, Texas, a lot lot going on. But right now, I have the joy of speaking to our friend, John Zmirak. John, you've written a million things. What do we talk about first? Well, th- thanks, Eric. Uh, great to talk to you, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you. We're both speaking at the same conference at Christians Engaged. It's going to be fun. Are those people crazy? How could they bring a couple of hotheads like us into, <laughs> into an environment like that? It makes no sense. Well, I, you I see, they heard, they heard we had an Ivy League background and assumed we were civilized. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No. yeah, yeah. It's going to be a game of bladder ball. It's going to be, it's going to There be- you go. There you go. And if, if folks, if you don't know what bladder ball is, you can consult my memoir, Fish Out of Water, where I write. Probably, I, you know, John, I might be the only person who's ever written an account yeah. of the mayhem of bladder ball. It's the chapter entitled The Last Bladder Ball. It's insane. And every word, every word is true. OK, John, um, <laughs> you right. have been writing. Here's something I wrote that I think of years. What have you got for us? I wrote a piece at stream.org called We're All Mark Judge Now. Um. Mark right, now Judge. you got to explain. Yeah. Most people in my audience probably have no idea who Mark Judge is. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Judge is a living hero. He knows John. I know him a little bit. We were, we're going to have him on this program soon. And I want to thank you, John, for bringing Mark Judge to my attention and to the attention of my audience. Go ahead. Sure. Mark Judge is someone I sort of knew about. I would see his writing occasionally. Um, he, he was, you know, one of those guys who did Catholic book reviews. I, you know, he, he I'd see him in Catholic magazines. Um, all of a sudden, during the the, the Brett Kavanaugh and Gate uh, confirmation hearings, he's at the center of the universe, and he's a black hole at the center of the universe that is sucking all light and, and, and all energy and all matter into itself. He, he is the national villain. What, 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 if those of you don't remember, the left was desperate to keep Brett Kavanaugh off the Supreme Court because they wanted to keep abortion legal. 
because killing babies is is the sacrament of their religion of sexual gratification. Killing babies for sexual convenience is a fundamental core value of the left to the point where they pretended that it was written into the U.S. Constitution. They thought Brett Kavanaugh might be pro-life. Actually, we didn't know at the time because his, his track record was so ambiguous. You and I were at Yale at the same time as Brett Kavanaugh. You never heard of him. I never heard of him. He was one of those people who kept a low profile and you know, went to football games and hung out with his friends and didn't. Sounds just like a rapist to me. Please continue. Yeah. So they didn't want him on the court. They didn't want any Trump appointee, but they they really strongly suspected Kavanaugh might vote pro-life. He might see the Constitution and read it based on what the words mean in English and realized, uh, yeah, go ahead and kill all the babies you want is not in here and nothing remotely like it is in here. Uh, so they couldn't find any professional reason, any political reason, any legitimate reason at all to keep Kavanaugh off the court. However, one of them found, fi- figured out he went to the same high school as Mark Judge, Georgetown Prep. And Mark Judge had written a memoir about being an alcoholic in high school and going to a lot of parties, some of which his fellow students were there. And Kavanaugh was at some of them. Now, was this memoir fictionalized? No, no. It was a genuine, authentic memoir called Wasted. uh, And it was about being a teenage alcoholic in the 80s at that high school. Um, They decided, wait a minute. They, they saw the section where Mark Judge admitted he had memory lapses, that he had blackouts. And that's that's when the bell started ringing. Christine Blasey Ford was an abortion activist. She works for the company that makes the abortion pill. She admit her lawyer has admitted she decided to stop Kavanaugh because she thought he would vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Her attorney who also works for George Soros's Open Society Project. What, 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 what? Well, now, hang on. This is what I mean. This is like air horn alert. Christine Blasey Ford's attorney works, works for George what? Soros's Open Society Project. And she said in public, and there's video of it, that the reason Christine Blasey Ford decided to stop Kavanaugh from being nominated, from being confirmed, if she could, was because of abortion. And remember, Christine Blasey Ford works for the company that makes the abortion pill. Uh, so all those things together. She has an opposition researcher. She has, There's a professional opposition researcher working with her during Kavanaugh's confirmation. Because, you know, every rape survivor hires opposition researchers, right? Don't they all have the, you know, professional opposition researchers? this is, again, most of America doesn't know this story. So I am so glad you are getting it out and that Mark Judge has written a book about it, which is going to be coming out soon. We'll have him on the program. But this is, ladies and gentlemen, you have to know what is going on. And the mainstream media obviously utterly refuses to cover what is astonishing. I mean, what you're saying, John, is an astonishing narrative not covered by the mainstream media. Most people in America have no idea 
of the nefariousness. Not covered by Fox News, not covered by National Review, not covered at all, except at places like The Stream and your radio show. So in order to stop Kavanaugh, a blazing forward hires a professional opposition researcher. He comes across Mark Judge's book. Mark Judge's book, which talks about drunken parties in high school in the 80s at Kavanaugh's high school. And here's the key thing. Mark Judge admits to memory lapses, to blackouts in the book. So all of a sudden, not only was Mark Judge present, Mark Judge is an eyewitness to this so-called rape. All the details that Christine Blasey Ford was able to offer in her testimony when she made up and lied about, and I want to be clear, committed perjury regarding the so-called rape by Brett Kavanaugh, all the real details come straight out of Mark Judge's memoir. So basically his memoir was a story Bible for her perjury narrative. And what you're saying, just just to be clear, we're going to go to a break here, folks, but just to be clear, ladies and gentlemen, there was no rape. None of this ever ever happened. But the ultra cynical pro-abortion left said, we don't care. We think we can fool America into believing that this man who's been put up for the Supreme Court is a rapist. That's all we need to do. We have enough pieces to put something together. They tried. They failed. Um, we'll be back with John Smear. talking just the other day. All right, folks, we're talking to John Zmirak. John, uh, you've shared this on the program before, but it's so important that people who are listening know the details uh, of of what happened. Uh, And to reiterate, um, when Justice Kavanaugh, then uh, not yet a justice, was put up by Trump for the Supreme Court, the pro-abortion left decided again, because they've done this several times, to go scorched earth, to lie, to make things up. And as their principal tool in this, they found a memoir written by Mark Judge of his time uh, of being an alcoholic in high school. And they thought this is just enough for us to create a narrative. We're going to lie, but we bet we can put this over on the American people and keep this guy off the Supreme Court because we don't want Roe v. Wade overturned. overturned. That's right. And so Christine Blasey Ford couldn't say what year this rape allegedly happened, but she remembered all sorts of details, all of them from Mark Judge's book. So it's, Eric, if somebody ever claims, wants to, if somebody ever wants to make a perjury involving you, they will use fish out of water, your memoir of going to college, and they, there will be all these, you know, seemingly, you know, verifying details. Well, oh yeah, you did stay in that dorm. Yes, you did work at that place in, over the summer. Oh yeah, that's what you were wearing on Celery Green Day in 1983. Oh, this story, mm, this is seeming suspiciously real. It sounds like this person was there. Oh, wait, he had a memoir. 
Okay, but again, they picked a Mark Judge because he admitted to having memory lapses. And so he suddenly was the eyewitness to this so-called rape because if he was called before the Senate to say, I never saw any of this happen. I didn't see Brett Kavanaugh rape Christine Blasey Ford. I didn't see him grow bat wings and flap around the room and drink blood. I didn't see him climb the Empire State Building with Faye Ray in his right hand and get shot at by little biplanes. Uh, I didn't see any of that. Oh, but Mr. Judge, you cannot be certain. You cannot testify that this didn't happen because you admit on page 73 and page 201 to having memory lapses and blackouts as a result of your teenage alcoholism. Isn't that the case? Well, that's right, Senator. So you cannot you cannot say that Senator, that uh, Brett Kavanaugh is innocent of rape with any moral certitude, given your memory lapses. Is that right, Mr. Judge? Uh, oh, yes. Okay, nomination over. So if Mark Judge had testified in front of the U.S. Senate, whatever he said, if he just recited the Nicene Creed and sang old Beatles songs, it would have stopped Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation <laughs> to the Supreme So, but Mark Judge bravely and wisely did not testify. He did not, despite massive pressure, despite uh, dozens of pre- reporters tracking him down. He had to go into hiding and stay at a friend's beach house, and they still tracked him down. There were people following him on the beach. He got threatening phone calls like threatening violence from someone who sounds a lot like Michael Avenatti. Um, he had some, a really beautiful girl had her car break down and was trying to get him to give her a ride. He thinks that was a honeypot. I mean, there was CIA, FBI style undercover stuff going on. There were people, a lot of money and a lot of power and a lot of talent a lot of people like Ronan Farrow, a lot of hack journalists were dedicated to dragging his name through the mud. Now, this guy is a freelance writer. All his work dried up. Everybody, half of America turned on him. Conservatives did not rally around him. We do not take our wounded off the field. We are like the Soviet army. We leave him behind. Every man for himself, Dvorich. The left will go to the wall for Jussie Smollett. They'll go to the wall for rioters from the George Floyd riots. But when we have somebody like Mark Judge and he gets wounded on the battlefield, we just leave him behind. Nobody reached out to, virtually nobody reached out to Mark Judge to help him. I did. I got in touch with him and said, Mark, I know you've written for us a couple of times. How are you doing? I was like, oh, he's in hell. He's being persecuted and nobody's helping him. So we brought him on as a writer at the stream. He, he, he started writing about his experiences even as they were going on. And he started working on this book, The Devil's Triangle, which is just about to come out and it's available for pre-order. Uh, the Devil's Triangle, where he talks about what it's like to have half America and the stronger half, the richer half, the ruthless half, turn on you and use the details of your life that you've confessed in a memoir to try to destroy a candidate to the U.S. Supreme Court. And if Mark Judge had given in, 
caved to the pressure, done what 90% of us would have done. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh would not have been confirmed, and Roe v. Wade would still be the law of the land. So if you're a pro-lifer, thank Mark Judge by buying his book. Actually, that's a good way of putting it. If you're a pro-lifer, thank Mark Judge by buying his book. Uh, you can pre-order it now. You just said uh, the title is The Devil's Triangle by Mark Judge. Um, you know, it's just hard for me to believe, John, because I am naive and, and uh, in some ways uh, have, have, have not wanted to see the evil in, in front of me. Uh, it's hard for me to bear. I'm sensitive. And I, when I hear about the people on the left uh, who believe so strongly in abortion going to these lengths uh, to really to get their way, you realize, ladies and gentlemen, that, that the reason uh, that I have become more political than I used to be is because the Democratic Party is not the party it used to be. When you do not play by the rules, when you say we don't care about anything, fairness, whatever you want to call it, we will have our way. We will go scorched earth. We will make things up. This is just one story. Well, Eric, they did it with uh, with uh, Hillary Clinton and the Steele dossier and crippled the nation. And a duly elected president crippled his ability uh, to function with this Russian collusion hoax. Nobody has even really retracted that or, or, or tried to deal with that. It's just no like, one's been held responsible for all the perjury involved with that. That's what but I mean. I wasn't surprised, Eric. If you're willing to kill babies for sexual convenience, if you're willing to castrate children in the service of the transgender delusion, um, you're willing to lie to get away with it, too. I'm not shocked when the when the demon in an exorcism tells lies that I'm not shocked when pro-abortion activists commit perjury. I am shocked when our people don't respond seriously and don't man up, gird our loins and fight. And they don't stick. They don't help people like Mark judge who are being fired, shot at by thousands of the enemy. Well, John, it's uh, it's hard for me not to bring things book to back to my book, Letter to the American Church, because I try to understand what it is. Uh, among conservatives and among uh, serious Christians that often paralyzes them. And Bonhoeffer called it in his book, uh, I quoted in my book, but in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he, he writes how he is disgusted with the theologically based restraint towards speaking out. And it's amazing because you realize that even the people ostensibly on the right side of certain issues are fearful. And if they can find some, they can grasp some theological straw, even though right. it's wrong, they are looking for outs. They don't want to side with uh, the, the person being persecuted, whether it's Mark Judge or John Smirak or Eric Metaxas or Naomi Wolf or Steve Bannon or Donald Trump or whoever is right. uh, the, in the crosshairs, they would rather recede into the background and say, you know what? I, I think I'm just supposed to be quiet. I'm they just for, supposed to pray or something they, like that. They forget the church b before Constantine. They forget that the church wasn't always a respectable part of society 
It was once a persecuted enemy that was regarded as a dangerous conspiracy theory believed in by cranks that entailed cannibalism, that rejected Rome, that rejected the gods of the city, that, that was subversive and probably criminal. They forget that that is our heritage. They think it's, you know, they're all Cardinal Wolsey whispering in Henry VIII's ear. That To them, that's the model of Christian discipleship. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that that kind of sums it up. We've got more with John Smirak, but that is the point is that we have forgotten. And I do write about this in the book, the wildness of God. Uh, Aslan is not a tame lion. God yeah. calls us to rise up and to speak truth and to fight for truth. Um, we'll be back with John Smirak. Make like a Mr. Milk Toast. You'll folks talking to John Zmirak. What more do I have to tell you? John? I think, what, yeah, as you were saying in your new book, Letter to the American Church, Aslan is not a tame lion. And, 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 and I thought the moment you reminded me of that, I thought of like people like, like, like David French and, and Russell Moore. Their version of Narnia, Aslan is a Persian cat, a pudgy Persian cat that you pet and you feed, God, and God purrs for you. Je- Jesus is your pal. He's he's your he's your drinking buddy. Um, that that's not it. I mean, Christianity is is kind of a scary religion. There's, there's only one thing scarier, which is what people do when they throw Christianity aside. What people become when they abandon Christianity is far worse than ordinary paganism. I wish Roman paganism were taking over in America compared to what's taking over. Well, we're in a different place in history and where we are now, um, the, the, the evil that is revealing itself is shocking. Uh, and it's why when people say we are replacing the gospel with politics or whatever. I, it's just fascinating to me when people say things that are so besides the point, I can't even believe that they're saying them. But I want to be clear. People said this in Bonhoeffer's day. If ever you needed an example of a time when the church needed to arise and stand against evil, and that was the time that they refused to do it, they were kind of like, not yet, not yet. Let's be civilized about it. Let's be civilized about it. And what I say as a spirit-filled evangelical, what was the Holy Spirit asking the church to do? And a lot of people aren't listening to the Holy Spirit. They have some theological construct. It is inappropriate for the moment, but they're going to go with it. And so when, when Tim Keller, whom I mentioned in the book, whom I love, when he talks about his third way, yes, it made sense 20 years ago for sure. It was beautiful, but the world has changed. Uh, and there's, you know, there's snakes and lions roaming around. You need to deal with the new reality. That's and so right. when people say, well, not yet, they are, you know, it's kind of funny because on the one hand, they either make Aslan a tame lion. And so they play this little religious game or they 
Well, the way I see it, I mean, I've spoken about it a lot in these different sermons that I'm speaking about, but where I talk about the book, because what I also see is they basically confuse God and the devil. And they think that God is a rules-based, harsh judge. And he says, if you lie, if you step out of line, if you say something not nice, if you tweet something unpleasant, I'm going to smash you. That's what I care about. And yeah. Sarah says, well, no, the God of the Bible, he does care about uh, how we say things. He does care about those things. But his priority, he looks on the heart. Do you care about those who are suffering? Will you stand up boldly for those who are suffering? Will you speak the truth about critical race theory? Or will you shrink back and say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything that might offend someone. Uh, I don't want to say anything that might really, we are called to this heroic, beautiful battle. And a lot of people are confusing the God of the Bible with this kind of, you know, harsh taskmaster that is, is just looking, are you going to make a tiny religious mistake? And then wham, I got you. And so the Gestapo officer who comes to the door and says, are you hiding a Jew in the basement? The religious person says, I cannot tell a lie. Please help yourself to the Jew. Torture yeah, right. the Jew, and I'm justified before God. So that's what Bonhoeffer called theologically based restraint, which he said is nothing but fear. Uh, anyway, uh, you've written so much else. Let's get to what you've written about. Sure. Well, talking about innocent people who suffer, we just passed the two-year anniversary of the death of Jake Gardner. Now, if we lived in the same country, everybody would recognize Jake Gardner's name the way they recognized George Floyd's name. Uh, Jake Gardner was a combat veteran with with uh, stars, you know, a decorated combat veteran for heroism under in combat. In, 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 in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, he was the bar owner in Omaha, Nebraska, when the George Floyd riots were organized and unleashed on America. And a, mul- a felon with multiple violent convictions attacked Jake Gardner's bar, along with the, another, the rest of a mob, but the, there was one guy in particular who was looting the place and was threatening Jake Gardner's elderly father, who was there with him trying to protect the bar. This, this felon got, got uh, Jake Gardner into a sleeper hold, you know, trying to make him crush his skull and make him unconscious. At that point, and at that point alone, only Jake Gardner pulled the gun and shot the looter and killed him. The local prosecutor said there was video of this the local prosecutor said well this is obviously self-defense black lives matter and antifa descended on the prosecutor's house and picketed his house for three weeks until the prosecutor finally caved in and handed the case to a george floyd i'm sorry to a george soros prosecutor a local special prosecutor who'd been elected with uh money from george soros Suddenly, Jake Gardner is charged with first-degree murder, and they seek 100 years in prison. He tries to defend himself, sets up a GoFundMe. GoFundMe cancels his account. He's not allowed to raise money for his defense because he's a racist murderer. His, his landlord cl- throws him out, so he has to close his bar. He has no income. He's not allowed to raise money for his defense. Everyone in the city of Omaha is calling him a racist murderer for shooting the felon who was trying to choke him to death. Who I think, okay, we'll be right back, folks. Go to stream.org, read these articles, share them. Thank you. 
Someone called us Babylon Those hungry hunters Tracking down the hours Folks, I'm talking to John Zmirak. John, you're telling us the tragic, tragic story of Jake Gardner. This is like, we should be writing novels about this. We should be writing stories. I mean, nonfiction books should hit the bestseller list on the story of Jake Gardner, among other things. It's unbelievable. Uh, Can you continue the story? Jake Gardner is what happened. It's like what happened to Kyle Rittenhouse with, with a tragic ending. So Jake Gardner had defended himself against one of the thousands of George Floyd rioters turned loose on America it was, that was trying to destroy his, his bar, stealing his stuff, attacked his elderly father, and at the moment was trying to choke Jake Gardner to death. Jake shot his attacker. Mobs from Black Lives Matter and Antifa terrorized the local prosecutor until they charged Jake Gardner with first-degree murder which of course is absurd. First degree murder involves, uh, you know, pl- planning and involves malice of forethought. But then they did that with, uh, with Kyle Rittenhouse too. When people are running after you with guns and screaming, kill him, kill him. And you shoot in self-defense. That is not first degree murder. That's not that. But anyway, it, it's not funny because GoFundMe shut down his fundraiser. He had been raising tens of thousands of dollars to hire a lawyer. So here he is. He has no attorney, he has no money, he has no income, and his city has turned against him and is calling him a racist killer. So Jake Gardner took his own life. And two years ago, his best friend found his body and has has ever since tried to tell his story. Almost nobody talks about this. I learned about it from reading Ann Coulter, who, as always, is courageous, a truth teller. I've got a piece at stream.org called why Jake Gardner had to die. Our homegrown Bolsheviks plan to hang all the kulaks. Remember the kulaks were the peasants in Russia who Lenin wanted to take the grain away from, who Stalin starved in the Ukrainian famine? Yeah. Kulaks are the people who work hard and play by the rules, who are the backbone of any decent country. They're, They're the deplorables. That's right. They're the ones who the Bolsheviks in any country always want to destroy. The people who will look out for their neighbors, the people who will defend against a rioter, people like Kyle Rittenhouse who will volunteer to try to help business owners during a violent riot. People like that, if you can knock off that crucial minority, that backbone of the country of people who will stand up at a school board meeting and say, I don't want you teaching this to our kids. Well, Merrick Garland wants to accuse those people of being domestic terrorists. People will say, I saw ballot fraud during the 2020 election. The FBI will come to your door. People like Mike Lindell, who will fund the investigation of ballot fraud. The FBI comes after him. If you can kill off the courageous members of a country, of, of a particular party, if you can, anybody who, 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 who pokes up his head anybody who says well i don't i'm not going to take this vaccine because it's made from dead babies okay we got to destroy him too we're going to take him off youtube we're going to 
take, we'll maybe take away his email account. We're going to get him fired. It is the standard strategy of totalitarians. It's what they did to Lekwalensa. It's what they did to Vaclav Havel, to Alexander Solzhenitsyn, to Mark Judge, to Kyle Rittenhouse, to Jake Gardner, God rest his soul. They've tried to do it to Eurek. They're doing it to Steve Bannon. They're trying it with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Remember, they've tried twice, multiple times, to murder Steve Bannon and Marjorie Taylor Greene by calling SWAT teams falsely to their house and saying that there was a shooter situation. I did, Multi- not, even, I did not even know that. I you didn't know that? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, multiple times. They have uh, leftists have called the police and said someone's being held hostage at this address. You need to send a SWAT team. And it's Steve Bannon's house. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene's house. The left, the left, we know the left tried to murder Brett Kavanaugh. It is unconscionable at this point to pretend, oh, we can't be political. Jesus wasn't political. Uh, people who say that are Sadducees. They are Caiaphas and Annas selling Jesus to the Romans, saying it's expedient that one man dies for the sake of the people. They, they are sucking up to Caesar. They are traitors. They are worse than the atheists on the left. Well, this is why I, I say to everyone in my audience, folks, what are you doing? What can you do? Uh, you have to do something. You have to do whatever you can do. And the first thing you have to do is to pray and ask God to lead you in terms of, of, of what to do. Uh, some of you can give money to worthy causes, to those people uh, who are struggling because of this craziness. Some of you can be poll watchers. Some of you can decide to homeschool your kids. Uh, some of you can share these videos uh, uh, on social media. The point is that they're all innumerable things we can do. But it is because people have done nothing that we are where we are. And it will get worse and worse and worse and worse unless the church wake up and speak up and take action and understand, in the words of Bonhoeffer, that doing nothing and saying nothing now is theologically based restraint, which is not theologically based. It is simply fear. It's cowardice. It's just cowardice. It is. But I mean, it's amazing to me that I I forgot that I'd written that in my book, quoting Bonhoeffer in the cost of discipleship. He was furious at the silence of the church. He and this is 1936. He was murdered in 1944. It's amazing to me, folks. God gives us chance after chance after chance. And it's only because people don't really believe they say they have faith, but they prove that they have no faith. No saving faith. Let's remember not behave as though they have faith. Let's remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. A a Levite, a member of the priestly class, passes by the man on the road who's been beaten up, left for dead. He passes him by. A Pharisee passes him by. They don't want to get involved. They're on their way to the temple. They're going to go pray to God instead of helping their fellow man. It's a Samaritan, a dirty foreigner with, with false beliefs who's, who picks that man up and binds his wounds. That good Samaritan, that's the Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Steve Bannon, the Mark Judge, the Kyle Rittenhouse, the Mike Lindells of this world. It's, uh, it's where we are, folks. Uh, please uh, be sure that you understand these things because uh, this is not a test. This is real. 
Uh, John, thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. God bless. I want to mention uh, Albin because we just have a couple of seconds here. Uh, Folks, you probably know this, but if you want to listen to the program without commercials, you can go to Metaxas Super. We've rarely mentioned that. I mean, but I I want to say that there are a lot of people that signed up for Metaxas Super and you can listen to the program without the commercials, without the news, just the straight program, just the straight podcast, whatever it is that you want. Um, I also want to mention that because my book, Letter to the American Church, just came out this week, uh, if you're inclined to buy it, please buy it this week. The sooner that uh, we can get it into the hands of people, uh, the sooner I think we could save the nation. Because if the church doesn't understand that our silence in the face of all the evils around us are what is enabling these evils to triumph, that the parallels to the German church are astonishing. They're astonishing. I'm just telling you, if you read the book, you're going to be, oh, oh, I didn't realize. In fact, Bonhoeffer, he spoke, uh, I I mentioned this on Charlie Kirk's program yesterday about how disgusted Bonhoeffer was by what he called the theologically based restraint of the church, which he said is nothing but cowardice, which is kind of an amazing statement coming from Bonhoeffer that he said that the theological, in other words, they are giving these theological reasons. And he says, it's baloney. Uh, he was a brilliant theologian. He knew, he knew it was baloney. He said, it's just cowardice. It's just fear. Now think about that folks. Uh, if that was the case, then that is precisely the case now, but imagine seeing it happen and knowing that if they spoke up, they could have turned things around. That's where we are today. And so I, Beg you, folks, if you think of a pastor that's waffling, that doesn't understand his obligation, uh, a friend, I wrote this for those people. Uh, you can find it at ericmetaxas.com. Please go to ericmetaxas.com. Uh, please help us get the word out. We need your help. Share these videos. We really do need your help. I say it unapologetically. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with Ask Taxes. This right here is Miss Marjorie Taylor Greene, a congresswoman from the state of Georgia. She's the one whose home was raided by the police multiple times because a trans activist was prank calling the cops and sending them to her house. We actually discussed that incident in a previous episode. However, her difficulties are not only limited to having armed police squadrons show up at her home in the middle of the night. That's because Marjorie Taylor Greene has, for one, been a vocal critic of the treatment that January 6th prisoners have experienced, which at times includes 18 plus months of solitary confinement. And secondly, she has been pushing back against the trans ideology within the halls of Congress, something that has actually gotten her office vandalized multiple times by staff members of Democratic congressmen who don't agree with her. And so amidst all this as the backdrop, while I was over in Texas, I took the opportunity to sit down with Congresswoman Green, and here's what she told me. Congresswoman Green, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So I wanted to start by mentioning, so in that documentary that we recently published, The, the Real Story of January 6th, uh, for it, I had a 
phone interview with uh, Jake Lang, who's been in solitary confinement 18 months now since, well, January 16th, 10 days after January 6th, pending trial. So he's been in solitary confinement awaiting a trial, which will happen next year. Uh, wh what do you make of that? Besides him, there's about 40 or 50 other people who are suffering the same fate. Well, what do you make of that? I, I just think it's it's so sad. Uh, I'm, myself and uh, Congressman Louis Gohmert were the only two Republican members of Congress that went into the jail and saw, saw the men being held there in the D.C. jail. Now, there's others being held across the country, but that's the only one that we were able to get into. And I will say um, there's a lot of other Republican members of Congress that want to go. And I have a request in with the mayor of D.C. and the jail to go in for a tour. And it, they are not even responding to us. So it's, it's tragic. Um, but what they're going through is real political persecution. There is no reason for what's happening to them. It, they didn't commit a crime that was, that was any worse, especially than the Antifa BLM rioters, right? Uh, but no, the, the way the Democrats are handling this is they are purposely abusing them, purposely persecuting them to send a message to every single other American that if you ever question us or stand up against us, this is what will happen to you. And that should never happen in America. What did you see when you were able to get go in? I, I, I have that it seared in my memory. I'll never forget it. But the, the entire jail was heartbreaking to me, not, not just the January 6th defendants, but, but many other areas of the jail were heartbreaking because this is where people are, people are, you know, they're there because they committed crimes and they're serving out their time. And so it's not a good place, no matter, no matter what. But the January 6th wing, when the doors were open and we walked in and we went into this, it was like a common area, um, they heard us come in and the, the men they just all started coming out and the minute they saw me they just broke into cheers and applause but they also were crying and there's the brokenness what they look like was I don't know almost don't have words to describe it they they hadn't had haircuts they they weren't clean they hadn't shaved they were dirty but they were their spirits are broken their their spirits are completely broken and they're forgotten and they feel that way they haven't seen their families since they've been there. They can hardly talk to their attorneys. And they, they truly, truly feel uh, like no one loves them. But, but when we came in and they saw us, it was like hope for the first time in their eyes. And uh, it, it was, I wish the whole world could see it. I really do. And, but the words that they spoke, the things that they said, and they, they truly love our country. Now, some of them really did bad things. Of course, I don't, I don't disagree with them being arrested or charged, but they do deserve a fair trial. They deserve their due process rights. They don't deserve for this to be drug out. Their families don't deserve this. None of it should be happening this way. They should be treated fairly. Um, every single person should in America, they should be treated fairly when they're charged with something. But they're not. They're not being treated fairly and they know it. You know, in those cases, a lot of times the judges have such mm. broad discretion for punishment. And I looked into a, a number of those cases because I was wondering how could they justify keeping these people locked up before trial for this yes. long? And they were saying, well, there are flight risks, there are dangers to society, et cetera. Which, I mean, just, I mean, again, in my non-legal opinion, it doesn't seem to be the, no. the fact. But let me ask you this. The polls show 
that very likely the Republicans will take back the House uh, come November. Mm -hmm. If that were to happen, do you foresee any type of hearing or committee being formed to investigate how these prisoners were treated? Oh, I definitely want one. I'll lead that cause. I, I will lead it. But I believe other Republicans will join me. I really do. Not our entire conference. There's a lot of Republicans that won't go near this issue. And I think that's wrong uh, because it's important to it's important to Republican voters. People come up to me nonstop. They write letters. They call my office and thank me for for caring about them and caring about this issue. But yeah, our Republican conference when we have the majority, we have to be a different Republican-controlled uh, uh, majority than ever before. We have to be fearless. We have to be willing to take up the issues and investigate the causes and, and be willing to pass bills that Republicans in the past wouldn't do. Because we've seen who the Democrats are. They have shown us who they are. They are communi communist. They are godless. They, they will abuse their power just to get their way politically. And, and because we know that, we cannot be a fearful Republican Party that just tries to just stay with the easy mainstream issues. No, we can, we can fix the economy. We can stop this inflation. We can solve the crime problems. We can secure the border. We can, we can put American energy back on track again. But if we are a Republican majority that won't uh, investigate and stop the abuse of January 6th uh, political prisoners, if we're a Republican majority that won't stand up and protect children from this horrible lie that they can change your gender and hormones and puberty blockers and, and genital mutilation surgeries, mastectomies for teenage girls, castration for teenage boys, if that's too controversial for Republic, Republicans in Congress, then they've lost their way and they are not representing uh, their voters. And, and that, you want to know something? That would be a tragedy because guess what? There, our voters would show us in 2024 that, that they're not satisfied. And we can't, we can't do that. Our whole country cannot afford it. So we have to prove it. We have to do a good job. Well, in terms of affording it, I mean, you were talking about uh, broadly affording it. But in terms of, like, let's say the national debt, officially it's, it's sitting around $30 trillion, But if you add unfunded liabilities, yeah. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera, it's like I've seen estimates as high as $160 trillion. Of course. Now, I mean, before coming to Congress, you ran a business before. Yes. So, I mean, you know that you can't, you can't run that kind of a tab forever. No. But, but what do you foresee? Because whether it's a Republican-led uh, uh, led House, uh, Senate, administration, Democrat-led, it seems like that number is just ballooning and spiraling out of control no matter what. Do you see any possible way for that to not happen? Is there any political will? To there is, and I, I am happy to tell you that, that even Ke like Kevin McCarthy has been saying, we have got to, we've got to work on this deficit. We have to get our budget under control. It's the mandated spending year after year after year is also so, so bad. So we, we have to, we have to be a Republican majority that takes on these hard issues because let's be honest, we're like a sinking ship. We're like the Titanic that is literally sinking and everyone's up on the top deck, like having a party. And it's, it's crazy. And, you know, being a business owner and being just a normal American that, that got crazy enough to run for Congress. No, no, for real. If we don't address these issues, we're just handing a catastrophe and a failure to our children and our, and our grandchildren. And, and what kind of people are we to do that? It's like, we, it's our responsibility. We have to do it. All right, the sponsor of today's episode is a phenomenal company called AMAC. That's A-M-A-C, and it stands for the Association of Mature American Citizens. They are quite literally one of the fastest growing conservative organizations in all of America, and you should consider joining for three main reasons. 
The first is the money saving benefit because as a member of AMAC, you get access to a ton of discounts at many different verticals. Things like vitamin stores, restaurants, retail shops, and so on and so forth. If you want to check out the full list, it's pretty exhaustive. You can do so over on AMAC's website. The second benefit is that you get exclusive access to the AMAC magazine. It'll be delivered directly to your doorstep and it contains phenomenal coverage as well as deep analysis. And then the third benefit, the one that people say is their favorite, is that AMAC fights for your values over on Capitol Hill. In fact, you can check out the online version of this on their website. It's the AMAC Action Advocacy Annual Report, and it shows exactly what they're doing on Capitol Hill in terms of fighting what they call the socialist storm that's brewing in this country. So head on over to amac.us forward slash facts matter and sign up today. I'll also throw a link down in the description box below. Sort of vignette that has been playing out in the halls of Congress between you and a Congress member from, from I believe it's Massachusetts, right? They have a chief, they had a chief of staff yeah. who tore down your poster, then you put up a picture. Can, can you sort of set the stage for the audience for what's yeah, been happening? It's a lot deeper than that. So Congressman Jake Oshinkloss, he he's a Democrat. His chief of staff, his name is Tim Heisem. Tim Heisem, uh, being the highest level of his staff, was arrested by Capitol Police for vandalizing, uh, being caught on camera, vandalizing and stealing. A, he'd been doing it for months. Um, a sign outside my office, and I have a sign there, and it happened after uh, my colleague across the hall uh, Marie, Marie Newman, she put out a trans flag when we were fighting on the equality bill. And I put up a sign that said there's only two genders, male and female, trust the science. And that sign gets attacked all the time, but it was Tim Heisem, Jake Oshinkloss's chief of staff, caught by Capitol Police, arrested, and, and the, the charges were sent to the Department of Justice. Jake Oshinkloss has refused to fire him. He's, he's refused to do anything to him, and he's attacking me on my gender and my religion. That's the way he attacks that sign. And Tim Heisem um, is, is married to another man, so he's obviously offended by my sign. And he's also the former district director for Adam Schiff. So you can see the, the type of political leaning that they have. No one is apologizing for him. As a matter of fact, they're accusing me of creating a toxic work environment, when in reality, they have created a dangerous work environment for me because I have death threats. I, I am constantly attacked and I'm being attacked for my gender and my religion based on my freedom of speech and my statement. And they, they have no, uh, no apologies. And then also I want you to know this, Tim Heisem and Jake Oshinkloss's staff, they're the ones that let in the Stephen Colbert film crew. They're the, they're the staff that let them in the House buildings and they were targeting Kevin McCarthy's office, Jim Jordan, Lauren Boebert's, and my office. And they're on video outside of my office doing all these things. And guess what? That sign was one of the things they were messing with. So it's, it's, it's a lawless work environment. It's petty. It's a sign. But in reality, it's not petty. It's a reflection of how they can get away. They believe they can get away with anything. And there's no accountability and, and, and they don't ever um, pay the price. But if we do anything, then they, they just persecute us to the end. I mean, you can, you can go down the list. We can talk about a cake baker that said they didn't want to bake a cake for someone. We can talk about Hollywood actors that come out as conservative, they get canceled. You can talk about Trump voters that got labeled deplorables and then so many conservatives kicked off of social media. We can even talk about Alex Jones, who I totally disagree with his statements on Sandy Hook, but look at what's happening to him now. He's being treated as if he was the one that went in and, and, and killed those children, and it's so wrong. 
And, you know, there's, it's like, where does it ever stop? The Trump family, what they have gone through is unbelievable. Eric Trump has been subpoenaed over 400 times by Democrat members of Congress. For what? He's, he just runs the business. He has nothing to do with the politics. They never stop, but they also are never held accountable. And so I'm going to keep fighting it, and I, I'm going to keep pushing. So, so you had the sign up, but you know there was an 80-year-old woman at the YMCA in Washington just mm -hmm. yesterday who was kicked out of the pool because she was complaining that there was a man in the locker room. So it seems like it's, it's not just in sports. It's not just here. It's not just there. It seems like it's expanding more and more. What, what do you see as like a real solution to, to this kind of growing transgender movement where women can't feel con safe in a locker room? Or yeah, locker how can an 80-year-old woman... She can't feel safe in a locker room with a man in there that's calling himself a woman. What an outrage. He should be arrested and put in jail. No, what it is is everyone needs to rip the duct tape off their mouth that, that is really political correctness. Take it off and be brave and say the truth. If, if we care about defending people's rights, we should be defending women. We should be defending children because their rights are being abused every single day. We should be defending men because apparently white men are the worst worst parts of our human society. But none of us none of us signed up for what color skin we have, what gender we have when we're going to be born, or where we're going to be born. It's all of this is absurd. What we need to do is we need to fight the issue. We need to stand up for no. You're a man. You don't get to go in that bathroom. I don't care what you think in your mind. You don't get to go in there. You're a man. This is a women's uh, place of privacy. Little girls' bathrooms. No, guys, you don't get to go in there. These girls need to be safe. But but it's outrageous that nobody stands up against it. I stand up against it, and I get attacked all the time for it, but I believe it's worth it. I mean, what, what am I doing if I am not speaking out against it? Now, as always, that was not the full interview. If you'd like to check out the entirety of this interview, you can do so over on Epic TV, which is our awesome no censorship video platform. And of course, besides the entirety of this interview, over on Epic TV, I publish a plethora of other content as well, including somewhere between two to three exclusive episodes of Facts Matter, episodes that, due to the regime of censorship here on YouTube, we can just not publish on this platform. So if you want to check out the entirety of this interview, a plethora of other content, as well as great documentaries, you can do so over on Epic TV. The link will be right there at the very top of the the description box. I hope you check it out. And then until next time, I'm your host, Roman from the Epic Times. Stay informed. And most importantly, stay free.